What's up, everybody? How we doing? How we living? This is Austin Cunningham coming at you again with, as always, Mr. Justin Trees for another episode of Talking Football. Today, we are going to be finishing out our top 100. We did 100 through 51 last time. This episode, we're going to go 50 to 1. And that's pretty much going to be what we're going to talk about today. But I want to start out with some very important news that broke this last week that regards the entire NFL, the decision that was made, and obviously my team. And that's going to be the guy that has been dealing with numerous issues this offseason, and that's Tyreek Hill. Since the night of the NFL draft, a story broke out of an audio taping that was released from his fiance, Crystal Espinal. You guys know the details. You heard that, all right? You heard all that. Uh, about three weeks ago or two weeks ago, video broke from a local radio station here in Kansas City, 610 Sports. They got the entire recording. They sent it off to be checked to make sure that there was no other editing, that nothing was forged, that there was no voiceover, anything was changed or cut out of the video. They confirmed that that audio was official, that that audio recording was good, that nothing else had been done or cut out of it. And then they were in contact with their lawyers, lawyers with the NFL. They talked, they reached out to Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill lawyers about the situation. And then they decided to air the entire 11-minute conversation that actually took place that was recorded. So with KCTV5, they edited that audio in a way that made everyone absolutely react and hate Tyreek Hill without hearing the entire story. And so within that and in their eight-hour meeting that Tyreek Hill had with the NFL and that there was no conclusive evidence or any proof of anything of him definitively hurting his child, the NFL decided not to give him an NFL suspension. I was completely shocked that they did not give him a suspension because, yes, I understand that there was no proof of him hurting his child, but the child was hurt. Child services then came out and said this was broken due to just a child being a child falling, trying to brace themselves with their arm, and then breaking the arm. That has already come out. I don't think it hit national media like everyone thought it would, but it did come out that Tyreek Hill did not break his son's arm. Now, here's the other aspect of it. The audio, we all heard it. We all listened to it, especially the part that came out the night of the draft, the you should be terrified of me too, B. When he called her the B word, he said, you should be terrified of me too, after she referred to her son being terrified of him. That was going to be the main thing that I thought would get him suspended. It didn't. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are upset with is because his choice of words and his decision. I think that conversation and that meeting that he had with the NFL, he was able to kind of dictate and share his side of things because when you hear the whole audio, he is constantly defending himself of, I did not do this to my son. And then he also goes back to the incident that took place in 2014 of him not actually hitting her or punching her or whatnot. But you can look at the reports from that night, 2014, of when that event occurred. And there is a police report of bruising and scratching on her face and that her lips started to swell up as she was talking to the officer. That is written. That is, you can listen to Mina Kimes. She did a huge story on it and she talked about it the other night or the other morning as well. Before I say anything else, Trace, I kind of want to hear your side about this because I feel like we're going to have a longer conversation about this than we might intend. I believe I've caught us up on kind of all the events that have taken place and everything that's you know transpired so far, but I want to know your thoughts on this right now. As a person that's outside of Kansas City, because this, this is I have not had this a lot with anyone else, is hearing other people's thoughts that are not within the Kansas City media. Right. So for me... I think it's a very bad look for the NFL not to suspend him, at least for something. 
and I get the whole like the whole video paints a different picture. I understand all that. But if you read what the rule is, the rule says conduct that poses a genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person and conduct that undermines or puts at risk the integrity of the NFL, NFL clubs, or NFL personnel. That's exactly what these last six months have been. The integrity of the league has been tainted because of this whole scenario over the last little bit. Are some of them false and fake? Clearly that is the case. But clearly he's been putting himself in a bad spot, a bad situation, hanging out with the wrong person that maybe they just shouldn't be around each other. So for me, you're not following your own rule there. And Jimmy Smith got suspended last offseason for four games for threatening and emotionally abusive behavior towards his girlfriend. That's what the NFL said. I'm having a hard time trying to come back with stuff like this without it trying to defend the actions of what Tyreek Hill did and the possibility of what may have actually happened. But within that, he had numerous like comments and threats towards his girlfriend, right? Like there were multiple things said, right? Right. Sorry, I okay. didn't know if you were asking me a question. Yeah, yeah, I definitely was. But here's when the audio broke in Kansas City, they played it over the station four or five times within the day. So they made sure everyone heard it, and then it kind of hit Twitter, and it just blew up to where everyone was talking about it, okay? So within that came a lot of conversations and a lot of what-ifs, right? The main one that they talked about was the verbiage on that part of the conversation and the audio recording of her saying, he's terrified of you. And he goes, he's not terrified of me, he respects me. And then she says it, you know, he's terrified of you. And he goes, you should be terrified of me too. The one thing that they asked, and and I don't know, I can't get it out of my mind and I keep wondering it. What if she would have said, he's scared of you? What if he doesn't, you know, what if he, okay, instead of saying terrified, what if it was scared or another verb that, you know, describes like he fears you. If you were to say you fear me or you you should be scared of me, is that as bad as saying terrified? Like no. I feel like the word terrified comes off stronger than those other those other words. So if you think that and he thought that, then he he used that word on purpose, and she used the word on purpose. Exactly. It, so I mean, because that's the word that was in recent conversation, right? I mean, so you know what, what I mean. Like yeah, I feel I like that's saying. a way of just. And again, I'm not defending him. I'm just saying, like, if she would have maybe used a different word there of explaining how her son feel, how their son feels towards him, maybe he would have used that same or different word back to her in that conversation. Again, shouldn't have been said. You cannot no, say that to somebody. For sure. So for me, sorry, how old is the kid? Five, three? How old? I think he's three, not three or four. Three, born in 2015. Yeah, three or four. And she's pregnant with twins right now. I'm going to tell you right now, a three-year-old doesn't respect anything. First off, he's a three-year-old. So to say he, he, he's not terrified of me, he respects me, shut the fuck up, first off. Like, that, there's no such thing as respect in a vocabulary of a three-year-old or a five-year-old. Yeah. So it's, to me, it's a bad look. It's a bad look on him just from that audio. It's a bad look on the NFL. You're suspending other guys. You guys go after Zeke for 
19 months for mm-hmm. almost the same thing, right? A lot of back and forth. This isn't real. This is real. Nobody knows what the truth actually is. But then, and with Zeke, they still don't know, right? Like it's still he say, she said type thing. And you literally wouldn't let down a six-game suspension. At one point, Zeke said, okay, I still didn't do anything wrong, but I'll take something less and we can make a deal. And the NFL said, no, we're go- it's, all, it's everything. So why did the NFL just say nothing with Tyreek Hill? It, to me, it screams, it screams, Chiefs right now are the face of the NFL. That franchise is the face of the NFL. So I'll disagree with that last comment. I think it has to do with the talks that are coming up, the CBA talks of what the owners want, what the NFL wants versus what the players want. I think it comes down to that. And that's the exact reason why Ezekiel Elliott shouldn't have been suspended. I mean, I feel like Elliott should have been suspended. Like, again, like there's complete video of him pushing a lesser-sized person over. I've heard numerous stories about Ezekiel Elliott being at a party drunk bumps into someone, looks at him, the guy goes, hey, I'm sorry, man, I didn't mean to bump you, and then he just jacks the fucking shit out of him and knocks him out and then walks away laughing. Like, Ezekiel Elliott is that guy that's drunk at a party and beats the shit out of people because he's drunk and he's tougher than everyone. Like, he's that guy. That's exactly who Zeke is. He's that type of douchebag, right? Right. But with these recent talks that are coming up, I feel like they're going to use it and go, hey, we let this slide. Like, we let this go here. Like, our focus is... And that's shitty. I mean, that ultimately is. That's really shitty by the NFL. But I would not be surprised if that is kind of what's going on. That's my theory with it. No, it's a it's a theory that I didn't think of. And I think you're probably right. And again, going back to my very first comment when you asked me this, it's a bad look on the NFL. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Like, this all looks bad on the NFL. Yeah. And it looks bad on Roger Goodell. And again, how many people have said this over the years? Millions. Roger Goodell should not have final say on suspensions. This needs to be a committee and it needs to become something because right now, go ahead. I wonder if there is a committee and we just don't know it. Like, I wonder if he does have people or if there's different lawyers within the NFL working on these cases and some of them are a little bit more aggressive than others. Like there's no way you just have the same lawyer working on every case in the NFL or is that how it is? You would assume they had multiple groups and multiple people, yeah. Just like, I mean, just like the courts, right? Like, it's not like it's the same fucking judge for every single scenario. Exactly. So it's not like Goodell's going in every case and being the ultimate dictator on it. It's who's presenting him the case, who's presenting their work, and what's their their motive within the case. And maybe within all these other recent ones of being like, everyone's just like, that's an unfair ruling, that's an unfair ruling, and the talk's coming up. Goodell's like, there's nothing proven with the law. He didn't break his son's arm. Within the audio, he is consistently defending himself with it. We had numerous talks with him. He has apologized for that comment. He realizes it shouldn't have been made. He realizes his parenting style is not correct, and it needs to change. So he's taking the steps forward. And I think another thing that brought light to to me that I did not realize before was the situation back in 2014 on the reason Tyreek Hill took the plea deal was because he ran out of money for his lawyer and that if he would have continued the case within a jury, there's a possibility he would have lost and never had a chance in the NFL. And so a huge reason that he took the plea deal was he didn't have the money to pay for another lawyer. 
taking it to a jury, you have no idea what's going to be presented or what's not and how the jury is going to take it and perceive it. You know, are they automatically going to take the girl's side with the baby, whether he did it or not? And I'm not saying this is what happened, but people are crazy. What are the chances that he did pick her up and take her outside and just set her outside and then she went and hit herself or harmed herself and then called the cops? I mean, that's that's a way far outstretched theory. And again, I'm not defending Tyreek Hill just because he plays for the Chiefs. Like, these are questions that I have. Like, how many people just set other people up for failure because there's a possibility they're not going to be enriched in a life of luxury with them anymore because of who they are? Yeah, that's the worry you think of every girl, right? Not if it's not even just a girlfriend, if it's just a girl that's met at the bar. They know that that guy was at the bar. There's always that, like, well, look what he did. Like, he did this to me, right? And you never know what's true sometimes. You're right. You're right. But when it comes down to it, dude, zero games is mind-boggling to me. It really is. Like, I was was even fine with, like, hey, two, like, hey, you need to fucking watch yourself. Because there's no real thing, no evidence here, like, we're not going to go max, but we're giving you two for as a warning for you to fucking watch what you're doing and be better. Yeah. Absolutely. I I honestly thought it was going to be three to four. Like that's where I was sitting, the two to four, three to four range. Yeah. I mean, from a football standpoint, not talking about personal shit, it makes me more excited for week one. It really does. Since our team yeah, each other. Like I'm 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 more excited for that game because that's have because he's playing. Like getting away from the serious talk and getting into football talk again. Like it, it does make me more excited as a fan. Yep, I completely agree with you. Like, it's going to be an exciting year. What the Chiefs are starting out with, no matter what your thoughts are on the ruling, like, as of now, I'm. I mean, I'm not trying to be a douchebag saying this, but like, the ruling's been set. Like, it's in place. Yes. We have to. We have to go from here. We have to move on. And the training camp starts in next next week, two weeks. Training camp starts on Wednesday for most teams. Let's fucking go. Yep. Let's fucking go. LFG baby. But here, one more thing. Let's go on. Our top NFL 100 players for the Talking Football Podcast, baby. Let's go ahead and get right on into this. Starting at number 50 for the Talking Football top 100 players. We already did 100 through 51. Now we're going to do 50. David Bakatari, the offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers. This guy has started every game he's ever played in. He is hardly ever penalized. He's only been called. He was only had two holding calls placed on him last year. He was an All Pro. Yes, Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and just in case you didn't know, he played every game last year, every <laughs> single damn one of them. No one put a hundred dollar bet on that and nearly lost it. Inside joke there for you guys, but this guy is going to be the reason for the Packers' success moving forward. They did a lot this off season. Aaron Rodgers is coming into the season pissed off, ready to go. He's got a lot to prove. And, man, it all going to start right there at the offensive line, and I cannot wait to see what they do. Moving on, number 49, we have A.J. Green, the wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. If it wasn't for injuries the last few years, he would be a lot higher, I think. But he has 1,000 yards, six of his eight seasons in the career. The other two, it's because of injuries. But he was on pace for 1,000 yards both of those seasons. What is that offense going to look like this year? We're not sure. He's getting older. He's over 30 now. Is he going to be able to keep it up? Are those injuries going to keep mounting because he's getting older? We're going to see, and that's really why we still think that his talent is a top 50 player, but he's no longer in that top 25 where you're used to seeing him the last few years. 
Perfect. Going on to number 48, Eddie Jackson. He's had eight interceptions the last two years. He's had three of them pick six, and each season he's had over 50 tackles. The reason we don't have him any higher is because we're worried that his success has come from the inside pressure of the Bears and what they are and what they've become. But he has remained consistent and done his job well, and that's why we have him here at number 48. Number 47 is Fletcher Cox, the defensive tackle out of the Philadelphia Eagles. Dude demands double teams, play in, play out. He had 10-plus sacks last year. He's always one of the top guys against the run. He's an absolute beast. And he might not get the credit that he actually deserves. And we're trying to give him the credit by making him a top 50 player. Maybe he has another big year and makes us respect him more. And maybe he moves up next year. But he's been the heart and soul of that defense for a while. And that's what made them one of the best defenses during their Super Bowl run. Going to our player number 45. Excuse me. Going to player number 46. Can't count today. Demarcus Lawrence. The last two seasons, he's had over 25 sacks. He's had 58 tackles every year. In the last couple years, he's had 29 tackles for loss. That's pretty impressive. And he's gotten paid. I mean, this dude, they had the bring struck backed up to him. Again, not trying to talk smack on this guy at all, but we've only seen this type of production within the last two or three years of him getting paid. Before that, we really didn't see much. But within these last couple of years, he's really stepped up and shown that he is you know, a versatile defensive guy that can make a difference for the Cowboys. And if he keeps that up, the Cowboys are just going to keep getting better and better. They're young, but it's getting to a point where everyone's getting paid and everyone's got to step up and do their jobs because that window can close very quickly for the Cowboys moving forward. Absolutely can. Moving on to 45, Derwin James, the safety for the Los Angeles Chargers. First team, all pro as a rookie. One of the most versatile safeties in the league. He's only going to grow as a player in reading defenses, reading quarterbacks. And you know that he's a hard hitter. Freak athlete being able to guard any position. Tight end, slot receiver, outside receivers. It doesn't matter. He can guard them all. Him and Jalen Ramsey are best friends. They keep talking about how they're going to team up at some point. And I'm all for it as long as it's not in with the Chargers, but I'm all for it. I'm sure you are if it's with the Jaguars. But speaking of a rookie that came in and was an all-pro and led their team in tackles, led the NFL in tackles, let alone is Darius Leonard, our number 44-ranked guy. Came in as a second-round draft pick by the Colts. Several Colts fans were saying, who the heck is this guy? What is Chris Ballard doing? Our GM sucks. He has no idea what's going on. Is Andrew Luck even playing this year? Well, guess what? Andrew Luck played, did phenomenal. Darius Leonard came in, did phenomenal. 160 tackles as a rookie. Like I said, he led the NFL. was the first-team All-Pro. I mean, what more can you ask for a guy that's coming in as a second-round player, let alone his first year in the NFL? He's only going to grow from here. He could very much go down as one of the best linebackers in the league. We're already thinking pro, I mean, Football Hall of Fame, if this keeps up. This is very impressive as a rookie. And that's why we have him here at number 44. Yep, exactly. 43, we have a wide receiver, and it's Stefan Diggs for the Minnesota Vikings. 
possibly one of the best route runners in the league. I mean, not possibly. He is, but possibly the best is what I'm saying. I think it's probably down to him and Keenan Allen. I think that in my eyes, those are the two best route runners in the NFL. But Austin might disagree with me there. But either way, Stefan Diggs, 16 touchdowns, about 2,100 yards the past two seasons combined. And that's with different quarterbacks the last two years and he's got Thielen on the other side and a run first offense so to put up those type of stats is pretty impressive absolutely another guy that puts up very impressive stats that's Le'Veon Bell yes he didn't play last year but we've already said maybe we haven't said this <laughs> our list is not based off just the last season's production it's going to be based off what they've done so far in the NFL yes Le'Veon Bell most likely should be higher but he didn't play last year, and we don't know what he's going to come back to. I mean, there were several reports of him maybe being overweight, not taking his offseason to work very seriously. But if you've seen recent video of him working with Chris Jones, you know that's a lie. He looks phenomenal. He's most likely going to come into the NFL this next year with the Jets and tear it up. But right now we have him at 42. And, Trace, I think you said before we hopped on air, it's going to be about week four, and we're going to be hitting ourselves going, why did we not have him any higher than this? Yeah. He will, and he'll prove us wrong. But like you said, he didn't play last year. The dude has had injury history. After sitting out a full year, does that grow the injury history? So we're just playing it safe there at 42. At 41, we have Kyle Fuller, another defensive back for the Bears, like how we had with Eddie Jackson a few picks ago. I mean, he started every game the last three years, has seven-plus interceptions, over 50 tackles each season. First team all pro last year. That whole defense was basically all pro or second team all pro. It was an impressive defense. But Kyle Fuller, man, he he's really stepped up after really the first year of his career. Like some people were like, why was this guy a first round pick? Like, did we make a mistake? And he has really stepped up and grown the last little bit. Absolutely. The next guy here on our list, you could very much just say he's the one that changed the culture of the team, Jamal Adams for the New York Jets. This dude came in and did what the Jets wanted him to do. Maybe did it better than what they expected. He's almost had 200 tackles within two years of his career. Five and a half sacks as a safety. That right there, I put the stat in because that's impressive to me. You're going to come in as a second-year player and have over five sacks as a safety? I mean, there are several defensive backs and corners or safeties that don't even have anywhere near that, and they've been in the league for you know a while. So within to see him come in, second-year player from LSU and just tear it up and do his job and change that culture and see where the Jets are now with a new front office, a new coaching staff, a new quarterback. I mean, this is an exciting time to be a Jets fan, and I'm glad that we have him here at number 40. Absolutely. So going off of our list, our last 10 guys, we're going to just name them off real quick. And that is we had David Bakatari, we had A.J. Green, Eddie Jackson, Fletcher Cox, Demarcus Lawrence, Derwin James, Darius Leonard, Stefan Diggs, Le'Veon Bell, Kyle Culver, and Jamal Adams. Moving on to into our 30s now at 39, we have George Kittle, the tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. This guy is a stud. Blocks like a madman. Set the record for most yards by a tight end in NFL history in one season last year. And that was with three different quarterbacks and literally having no other weapons around him. Everybody knew he was going to get the targets. He was going to get the ball thrown to him. 
ends up with 88 catches and over 1,300 yards. Just so impressive that it was only his second year in the NFL. And with Shanahan as his OC, getting him open and having a, a healthy Jimmy G, I can only see this continuing. I mean, it's going to be hard to top 1,300 yards as a tight end, but he is going to be a consistent guy over 1,000 yards year in year out for the rest of his career. It's Like you said, it's going to be very exciting. I think the best part of his game is you never know when he's going to get the ball. I mean, you just like there were a, there was a play last year on this highlight reel where the ball snapped and he runs a couple yards and then falls down. The defense completely lo- overlooks him. He gets back up and then runs down the middle of the field, catches the ball, runs. You know, I don't know if he went and scored a touch on that play or not. I don't remember. But it's just those little things that are just absolutely shocking that makes him kind of the player that he is and what Shanahan can do with them. Our next guy here at number 38, Quentin Nelson. Therese, you said this before. He came in with the Colts having maybe the second worst offensive line and brought them to a top five offensive line. I think they went maybe 12, 10 or 12 games without a hit on Andrew Luck, and that's exactly what they wanted. That's exactly what Jim Ursay called and said to him. <laughs> as soon as he gets on the phone, what's up, man? How you doing? You know, I, that was an awful impersonation, but it's great hearing that. And then he's like, we have to protect Andrew. That's the job. Protect Andrew. And that's exactly what he did. And this is exactly why we have him at number 38. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what you want. When you're a GM and you, you're top, picking in the top five, and after one year, that top five pick is already a top 40 player in the NFL, dude, you have got to be stoked on that. Moving on, we got another tight end here, and that's Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz also set a record last year for tight ends, and that's most catches in a season. And our tight ends were very hard to rank here. Austin and I spent a lot of time, where did we want to rank these? Who's better out of Ertz and Kittle? And the deciding factor were the stats were kind of just a little too hard to ignore and we think that Kittle and Ertz are very similar in players but you got to go off of stats sometimes and I mean 116 tackles 1100 yards double digit touchdowns with an injured quarterback playing with two different quarterbacks it's just it's just too hard to pass up Ertz has been growing and growing throughout his career Plus, his wife is just fucking awesome on the U.S. national soccer team as well. So you got to give that a few points to that as well. Absolutely. Another guy that's been really impressive for his team, honestly, both teams that he's played for, is Stephon Gilmore. Going from the Bills and being traded to the Patriots, he's had 45 tackles each season with the Patriots. Last year, he was an All-Pro and a Pro Bowler. I mean, the guy does his job. He shuts down opposing receivers. He takes away the first option for the opposing offenses. Bill Belichick is your head coach. Dude, you're in a good situation, and he's made the most of it. I mean, he has come in spending his entire career in the AFC East, going from the worst team to the best team. Dude, that's a heck of a career, and to do what he's done has been very impressive. And being to the Super Bowls within the last two years that he's been with the Patriots as well, he was a huge reason they won last year, especially facing Sean McVay and the Rams and their offense that is just – been so hard to stop but they found a way they found a way to do it and he's going to be and he was a big reason on why yeah he's the reason that they beat the jags in the afc championship two years ago that fourth down when the jags were trying to drive back down to get into field goal range 
he had the tipped ball on fourth down that ended the game. So, yeah, Stefan Diggs or Stefan Diggs, Stefan Gilmore is a stud. When I talked about Stefan Diggs earlier, I mentioned another wide receiver that might be a better pass ru- or pa- route runner. Jeez, I can talk route runner than him, and that is Keenan Allen, and that's who we have at 35. First couple of years in his career, everybody was like, oh, man, this guy's just injury prone. He can't stay healthy. He's great when he's on the field, but he's just never on it. He's kind of pushed that aside the last few years, and Keenan Allen is just unbelievable. Back-to-back years at 95-plus catches, 1,200 yards. He's the go-to guy for Phillip Rivers. Ever since Antonio Gates has kind of died down, Allen stepped up and into that role, and he's a stud. I couldn't disagree with you. I wish I could, though, since he plays for the bad guys within the AFC West. But let's go back to the NFC here at number 34 for us, Alvin Kamara. Dude, he might be one of the best receiving backs in the NFL. I mean, it's going to be very tough. He's had over 100 targets the last two seasons. Within that, he's had 80 receptions, and he's had over 150,000 yards with nine touchdowns. Dude. That's pretty freaking good. And then you throw in the rushing yards, over 800 yards, several touchdowns in that department as well. It's going to be very intriguing to see how he does this next year, being the main guy instead of sharing the backfield with Mark Ingram. Let's see if he's ready to take on that role. I'm excited to see it. I'm sure you're excited to see it. And I'm sure as hell Saints fans are excited to see it as well. Absolutely. Speaking of the Saints, let's go with back-to-back Saints. But this guy's on the defensive side, and that's Cameron Jordan. Not Jordan Cameron. But Cameron Jordan, for all you, the league fans, you guys get that joke. But Cameron Jordan, he is a machine, man. Like, he's just, he's great against the run. He's great against the pass. You can basically just expect nine or ten sacks, 55-plus tackles from this guy year in and year out. He just signed a new deal this offseason, and it wasn't for as much as a lot of people thought, and he, he was fine with it. He, he was, he's been very vocal just about like, hey, I want other guys on the team to get paid. Like, this, this amount of money is great for me. Like, I don't need anything more. Like, I'm all about the team, and I'm all about getting us to a Super Bowl. If me taking a little bit less does that for us, let's do it. All right. Speaking of a guy that got paid – as well, but it may have been a couple years ago. It's going to be Devontae Adams, the wide receiver for the Packers. This is a guy that Therese is just kind of like a closet fan for. I mean, he really likes – it's not even in the closet anymore. Like, it's Therese loves Devontae Adams, and for good reasons. I mean, he's one of the best release off the lines wide receivers. I mean, he's quick off the line or off the line. He stepped up and replaced the, the roles of Cobb and Nelson – he has definitely become the go-to guy for Rodgers, catching game-winning touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, we've seen it time and again on him just having the big-time catch, the big-time play, doing what needs to be done for the Packers' offense, and he's only going to get better going forward, and that's exactly why we have him here at number 32. Then next, I wanna go, I'm want to going to go back-to-back here because this is my guy, Mr. Frank Clark. Treese just told me to go ahead and go, and I'm glad he did because I don't want Treese talking about him because he doesn't deserve it because he doesn't understand. Frank Clark is going to be the guy that changes the culture of Kansas City. What Brett Veach did bringing in Frank Clark and the Honey Badger has been absolutely perfect. This guy has 35 sacks so far in his career, 72 quarterback hits, and 136 tackles. 
I just recently listened to an interview of Travis Kelsey from the past weekend with him and Tahoe golfing at that tournament. He said the work ethic of Frank Clark is absolutely amazing. It's through the roof. The entire attitude and culture that he's brought to that team and the work ethic that he's brought has been awesome to see for their defense, which means last year there really wasn't that much of it, and that's why that we saw that the Chiefs' defense just sucked. With Frank Clark right now, that's the difference maker, and I cannot wait to see the 72 QB hits come into play, the 136 tackles, and then for him to add to the 35 sacks. Because let me tell you, it's going to fucking happen, and I can't wait. Sorry for the F-bomb. Just kidding. I'm not sorry. Let's fucking go, baby. Love it. All right. Number 30, we got Deshaun Watson, quarterback for the Houston Texans. This guy is unbelievable, really, in every aspect of the game. And his rookie year, he was on average to put up actually better touchdown numbers than what Mahomes did this year by a percentage aspect of it until he got injured. And then he comes back this year, this last year, coming off of an ACL, ups his completion percentage by seven points, 68.3% completion percentage. That's like Drew Brees category there. Over over 4,100 yards, 26 touchdowns, still has yet to go into double-digit touchdowns in either of his years, given the first year was only six games, seven games. But let's not forget, this dude has the worst offensive line in football. It is so bad. He is getting hit constantly, and yet he's still putting up these numbers. And he... Let's see how many how many quarterbacks are better at rushing the ball than him, Cam Newton. I mean, maybe maybe he was. It's not as efficient. I mean, Cam Newton's just running to get the extra yards now, but he's taking yeah. so many hits. I think he's just tired of running now. Yeah. So I mean, he he's already like easily one of the top three rushing quarterbacks, and that's why we got top him. Top two. Who's I mean, who's the other one? Let's see. Wilson's not as good anymore just because he doesn't. Trubisky's pretty good. That's a okay. That's a fair point. So right. I mean, playing it safe, we can say top three. Yep, I'm there with you. So, are you done? You done with Watson? Yeah. You done with our thirtieth player? To, yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's run through our list here of what we had in our thirties. Starting at forty, I'm not sure if you went over that or not. Jamal Adams, thirty-nine. George Kittle, thirty-eight. Quentin Nelson, thirty-seven. Zach Ertz, thirty-six. Stephon Gilmore, thirty-five. Keenan Allen, thirty-four. Alvin Kamara. 33, Cameron Jordan, not Jordan Cameron. And then 32, Devontae Adams. Wrapping up here at the end, Frank Clark, 31. And then number 30, the guy we just did, Deshaun Watson. Now we're heading into our 29, heading into the 20s, our top 30 players here. This is where the controversy is going to start. Starting at 29, we're going to have another Chiefs player here, and this is Mr. Chris Jones. Top 30 player, loving it. Glad we put him here. I wanted him to go higher, but, man, we're at the point in the list where you really start asking yourself, is this guy better than him? And then you really just kind of got to swallow your home your homerage and go, yeah, he's not. But Chris Jones has gotten better every year that he's been in the league. Last year he had 11 straight games with a sack. He had over 20, He's had over 24 sacks in his career, two interceptions, and one of them is a pick six against yours truly, Treese. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to say Chris Jones is the guy who single-handedly ended your quarterback, a tight end, Blake Portal's career. 
or his career with the Jaguars, might I say. Because when you see a quarterback get juked out by a defensive tackle, as an offensive coach, you got to be like, all right, dude, you're done. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't even be a tight end right now. <laughs> like, you're done, dude. Like, that's got to be it. And so, for Chris Jones, man, he's almost, he's getting paid. Like, he has to be paid. We've talked about this with Yannick and Ngakwe as well. Chris Jones belongs in this. You know, he belongs here, and he deserves to get paid as well. When he was a rookie or second year, the Chiefs assigned Benny Logan. I'm just going to give a little backstory here. So when Chris Jones was either a rookie or going into his second year, the Chiefs had just signed Benny Logan from the Eagles. And Benny came out within the offseason, within the training camp and into the season and kept saying, this guy has no idea how good he can be. He doesn't understand how dangerous he is and what he can produce. And he just kept saying it and saying it. And Chris Jones is, you know, first-year player in the league. And he's just, you know, happy to be in the NFL. He's drafted within the second round from Mississippi State. But, man, he this offseason, he is looking phenomenal. I said it last episode. His arms are massive. I cannot wait to see what this guy does this next year. And I hope the Chiefs sign him soon because they need to. Either him or Tyreek Hill. you got to figure out which one you're paying this offseason. But one of them needs to be paid because this is the future of your team, whether – Sammy Watkins is a part of that, whether Frank Clark is a part of that, whether Honey Badger is a part of that or not. you got to start paying these guys, and they ultimately deserve it. And this is why we have Chris Jones at number 29. Yeah, speaking of a guy that's been the past, the present, the future of his team, he's just been there forever, and that's Phillip Rivers for the Los Angeles Chargers. We have him at 28. This kid, look at how many kids he has. That alone puts him as a top 30 player in this NFL. His pullout game is not very good apparently but uh he, he can improve on that <laughs> you did not just say that <laughs> <laughs> oh. but hey his success rate's got to be pretty damn good it is that's, that's a pretty be. good fucking ratio yeah. i don't know if he's proud of it or not but damn dude yeah <laughs> but i mean over 4300 yards 32 touchdowns 12 interceptions and 105 QBR last year. Whew. I mean, that just screams top 30 player. And most of the time you'd say top 20 player, but when you hear all the names that we're yelling off next, you're going to be like, yeah, probably not. But that's our guy at 28, Papa Phil. <laughs> How many kids does he have? I, I think he just had his ninth this offseason. Dude. <laughs> Here's my theory. <laughs> oh my god this is hilarious i almost want to go back and find the age of his kids just to see how relevant this is but he's had 10 seasons of throwing over 10 interceptions or at least nine this last year he had 10 interceptions does his wife just go hey babe i know you had a bad season let's make a baby and it's yeah. just been like Stop having shitty seasons because this last year was almost one of his best ones in his career as he threw for threw for 4,308 yards, had 105 passer rating for 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So maybe they have another kid. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But at some point, dude, you might as well just have a cheaper by the dozen. So they just, have, they just have a bet going on. And it's if you throw double digit touchdowns, you have to put a baby inside me. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, you have a bad season. You have to spend more money on this family. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, let's get away from that. Let's get speaking of speaking of spending some money, or in this case, raising a lot of money. And what he did for Houston, JJ Watt. 
two-time defensive player of the year. He's been injured within the last two years, but this last season, man, he came back with a motive, and that was going to be, you know, him returning to being one of the best defensive players in the league, and that's exactly what he did. He had thir- he had 16 sacks, a very quiet 16 sacks. I mean, that wasn't talked about. And that's because Aaron Donald's kind of taken over the role as the best defensive tackle within the league. But J.J. Watt's not just a defensive tackle. He's all over the place. Whether he's lining up inside, outside, you know, way outside, way in. I mean, he's just, he's all over that defensive line and making plays. I mean, they used to call him J.J. Swat, and now he's just J.J. sacked shit out of whoever's, you know, has the ball. And this is why we have him at number 27. I mean, this guy is continuing to show that he's one of the best players in the league. And I also heard him in an interview go, you know, the whole reason that I came back so motivated was because when you're injured, you realize how quickly you're forgotten. And you realize how quickly people don't talk about you. Because he used to use the motivation as someone not ranking him as high. You know, he's not listing him as one of the best players in the league, whether it was on defense or offense and defense combined. He used that as motivation, but when he was injured, he realized no one talks about me. No one cares. Everyone forgot about me. And so with him and his girlfriend, now his fiance, he uses her as, you know, the major reason why his success story is kind of what it is right now with coming back and having 16 sacks. And I can't wait to see what he does this next year. And I almost, I, I hope the Texans can stay healthy because if they do, they're going to be a very deadly team. All they need is their secondary. And if either one of those one or two guys steps up and makes a play, holy shit, dude, the Texans, they're going to be one of those teams in the AFC that we're not talking about, especially out of the AFC South. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. J.J. Watt, one, his wife is from Utah. I think she went to Murray High School, which is about 15, 20, 20 minutes from us, from me. Um, so he, I can't he say comes- her name, but I know, I, yeah. Yeah. She's got a very hard name to pronounce. Yeah. And so she's a professional soccer player in Houston. And then, yeah, but they come back to Utah all the time. He's always posting pictures there. And he has some, he has, he had his new shoes come out just recently. And I'm about to order them, actually. They're so cool looking. I really like them. JJ Watt threes. I like them, I think, because they ha- his logo is a J and then a J backwards, so it's just mm-hmm. two Js. Because JJ stands for Justin James, which is actually my name. My name is Justin James, so... What? Yeah, so I actually like... No, it's not. Are you being serious? No, I'm dead serious. You're JJ, and I've been calling you Treese this whole time? Well, I mean, Treese is my last name, yeah, but... Well, yeah. duh, Justin but, James Treese. But yeah, so yes... Yes, you've been calling me Trish this whole well, time. Well, Trish was my last name. No shit, is it really? I don't know if you knew that or not. Sometimes you get confused. <laughs> okay, all right, there we go. I don't even know what that means. I don't either, but it's but provocative. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's go. Do it. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm fucking talking about. Awesome. So I'm looking at his shoes right now. What are they? The threes. Make sure you do J.J. Watt threes. Because I know when the first ones came out, the white ones with the red logo for Reebok, they looked pretty freaking cool. Yeah, he's he's got some pretty good-looking shoes. I think I'm trying to show you them on the camera. I don't know if you can see them. But. Yeah, those are them. Man, they kind of look like the like a Jordan almost. Yeah, a little bit, right? But they're Reebok, so which is cool to get a little bit of variety. I have a lot of Under Armour and Nike shoes, so switching up to Reebok is a good Good little thing for me. Oh, you keep get them on those. Reebok right now for seventy five bucks, dude. Yeah, I know. That's why I think I'm gonna get them soon. I might order them right when we're done with this. 
Just order them now. Go ahead, do it live. Well, I gotta keep doing. I can't do both at the same time. I, I gotta be typing in credit card information and talk at the same time. Come on, don't put that pressure on me. Yeah, for sure, dude. Don't be doing that. God. Yeah. Next time, can't multitask. Right after, yeah, you can watch me place the order. How about that? Hey, there we go. There we go. Moving on though, twenty six. We have Zach Martin, the guard for the Cowboys. Is this our top offensive lineman? No, second. We have one more offensive lineman higher. But Zach Martin, I think, is the best guard in the NFL. He's part of the best offensive line for the last four years. I don't think that Dallas is the best offensive line anymore. I think that they've kind of been passed at this point. I think that their offensive line is getting a little older, a lot more injuries and whatnot, but they're still very good, and Zach Martin is the key to that. And to think that, like, Zach Martin is the guy that made all the noise during the draft because this is where the Cowboys passed on Johnny Manziel for Zach Martin. And everybody's like, you're passing up a quarterback for an offensive guard? What is wrong with you? That's what's wrong, is Zach Martin's been an all-pro for multiple years now, and Johnny Manziel is, we don't know, might be in a ditch somewhere. We're not really sure where he's at. Wow. Wow, we got to take it there, Treese. We got to take it there, Justin James, huh? Got to take it there. Damn, JJ. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, all righty. Going into our number 25 player, our top 25. This is where it starts. Quarterback, Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan, Matty Ice. Last year, he had one of the best seasons of his career, and nobody talked about it because the Falcons sucked because their defense was completely injured. Their best players were just gone. But Matt Ryan kept them in games and did very well for the Falcons going forward. And the Falcons fans should be very excited heading into this next season because of what he did last year, coming in with Dirt Cutter, coming back for him, which is what he also had his second-best career with, besides having Shanahan as MVP season. Matt Ryan's looking pretty damn good. And his teammates will attest to that. I think other players in the NFL will attest to that. And this is why we have him here at number 25. Now that we've already started our top 25, we're going to go into our number 24 player. And this is our highest-ranked offensive lineman. This is Mitchell Schwartz, the right tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. The reason that we have him here is because he has the longest active snap streak in the NFL. He has started every single game of his career. And he has shut down some of the best pass rushers in the NFL multiple times over. He only had three holding calls on him last year. I don't think he's had any higher than that the rest of his career, starting out with Cleveland, coming to Kansas City within the last four years. This guy does it all for Kansas City, and he doesn't get talked about enough. He was an all-pro last year. He's been a pro bowler, one of the best offensive linemen in the league, if not the best. And that's why we have him here at number 24, because I don't know of anyone else right now that is better than him. And when I say he stopped some of the best pass rushers, this is within the AFC West and the NFL. He has shut down Khalil Mack. He has shut down Von Miller. He has shut down Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And he's going to have to do it again this next year when the Chiefs face the the Jaguars, the Colts with Justin Houston, the the Ravens, you know, the the Denver Broncos twice a year, the Los Angeles Chargers two more times in a year. I mean, this guy deserves the contract that he just got, the extension that he got. 
and it's about time that we start talking about him more because he honestly is one of the best linemen, if not the best offensive lineman in the league. And this is exactly why we have him here at number 24, because I cannot think of anyone else that's better than him right now. Exactly what you said. That's why we have him there. And I'm excited for week one. I mean, Josh Allen is going to be on that side of the line. So Josh Allen, welcome to the NFL, facing the best right tackle in the NFL week one. Boy, is he going <laughs> to going to get a taste of his medicine. I mean, it, it's really going to be a welcome to the NFL moment. Oh, absolutely. Coming will. in and playing the best tackle in the NFL. For sure. I mean, if he can just keep him occupied, though, and let Campbell in the middle, Marcel Darius in the middle, and Yannick on the opposite side, that's what that's what a Jag fan can hope for. But we'll see. Yep. All right, moving on to 23. We have Odell Beckham Jr., a guy that's usually consistently in the top 20, but... We got him at 23 right now. Injuries the last couple years. He's on a new team. Let's see what happens there. There's just a lot of good players in the NFL, and it was it was wasn't too difficult to move him down, to be honest. But 1,300 yards every season, except for his injured seasons and last year, and then averages 13.5 yards a catch, and already has over 44 touchdowns in his career. It's it is awesome. He was. He was on some record pace after two years. And then, I mean, again, injuries have kind of slowed him down a little bit. But he's still a freak athlete, one of the best. But he's – I just need to see him stay healthy for a full year. After consistent injuries, back-to-back years, stay healthy. Next year, easily going to be moving up. Moving on to 22, we have one of my favorite players, and that's Jalen Ramsey, the top cornerback rated here and he's played every game in his career over 60 tackles every year over 52 solo and 62 solo last year he has nine interceptions in his career and he just makes big plays and some key moments I mean just watch the games against the Seahawks two years ago against the Bills in the playoffs against Big Ben he just he has literally shut down Antonio Brown. I know everybody, you can look at the stats, and he's ended up putting up numbers against the Jaguar, Jaguars in all those games, but it was never when it was one-on-one with Ramsey. Actually, when last year when Ramsey was covering him, he picked him off both two times. And then Antonio Brown did have like a 70-yard touchdown pass, but that was in a zone, and it got broken in the middle of the field. And Ramsey actually almost chased him down to catch catch up to him to slow him down for a touchdown. But AB's really fast, everybody. So that's news to everybody. You know another guy that's pretty fast? Who's that? Tyreek Hill. That's yes. not who we're talking about next, though. No, it's but not. I just didn't want you to forget about the time that he flew by him off the line of scrimmage and kind of shut him up and the entire, the entire Jaguars defense. But we'll, we'll leave that for later because we're going to talk about another Kansas City Chiefs player right here. And this is the best tight end in the NFL, in Mr. Travis Kelsey. He's had over 1,000 yards the last season. Every Within the last three seasons, he's had over 1,000 yards. He's averaged over 12.5 yards to catch, and he's had over 80 catches within that, in that same time period. This dude is a stud. If he has another season of 1,000 yards, which is very doable for him in this offense with Patrick Mahomes and that the connection that they have, and the connection that they've built off the field as well. He's going to be the only tight end in the history. Let me say this again. The only tight end in the history of the NFL to have four straight seasons of 1,000 yards is going to be Travis Kelsey if he doesn't. 
That's absolutely ridiculous. What this guy has done is unbelievable. And he was doing it with Alex Smith. And he's doing it, and he did it again with Patrick Mahomes. I cannot wait to see what the Chiefs do this next season with this offense, with their receiving, with how fast they are. That's the scary part is with how fast they are. And we'll talk about that more in our next episode here on what kind of the Kansas City Chiefs have on their offense and some of these other deadly offenses within the NFL. But right now we have Travis Kelsey at number 21 and for good reason. Yep. Moving on to the top 20, we have Christian McCaffrey. And this was probably one of the harder ones for us, I'd say. We really wanted to put him higher, but there's just too many good players that we just couldn't put him ahead of. But this guy is a 2,000 all-purpose back and, what, 100-plus catches. He's just a freak, man. Like, what he did for that offense this year was really incredible. While they had very young receivers learning the position and Newton not being able to throw it deep with the sore arm most of the season— like dumped it off to him a lot, and he really bailed that team out a lot. Speaking of that, have you watched any of the All or Nothing yet? No, I haven't. I saw a clip of uh, of Steve Smith. <laughs> Man, I saw it this morning, and I started cracking up. And uh, what's what's the receiver's name? Moore. Yeah, DJ Moore. He, yeah, he's like, why don't you start me? And Steve Smith goes, if you only score me two points, I'm gonna slap the shit out of you. Yeah, dude, so I laughed good. too damn hard at that because that sounds like something I would say. I'm gonna slap shit out of you. <laughs> this the game before the or the episode before that. So I've watched, I like I'm on week like nine of that season. So pretty far into, I watched a good like four or five episodes, and one of them was so funny. So they're about to play the the uh, Redskins. And so they're on the phone with Josh Norman, who obviously used to be on their team, right? And so they're all friends with him. Oh, my God. So Josh Norman goes, so Greg Olson playing? And Luke Keekley, just like thinking that he's just talking to a buddy. He's like, nope. And Cam Newton looks at him like, what the fuck, dude? You just told him that our best offensive weapon isn't playing. Now they don't have to prep for him. Whose side are you on? And Luke Keekley just looks at him. He's like, that was stupid. Yeah, yeah that was stupid. <laughs> Fun fact, Greg Olson actually does end up playing in that game. But it was so funny because, like, at that point, like, he, he really wasn't. Like, he wasn't practicing and stuff. And just, nope. <laughs> so, like, for such a smart dude. Like, what a bonehead thing to do. <laughs> so awesome. Oh, man. You got to love it. You got to love it. Um, Another guy that you have to love, and this is his comeback story here at number 19. Trees, do we want to run back through 20 real quick? Yeah, let's go ahead. So, 29, we had Chris Jones. Phillip Rivers, we had at number 28. 27, J.J. Watt. 26, Zach Martin. 25, Matt Ryan. 24, our top-rated offensive lineman, Mitchell Schwartz. 23, OBJ, 22, Jalen Ramsey. I believe this is our top-rated corner as well, if I'm not mistaken. Number 21, our top-rated tight end, Travis Kelsey. And then our one of our running backs, number 20, Christian McCaffrey. Now heading into 19, the guy that's got an incredible comeback story. He was third in the MVP votes after missing almost two years with a shoulder injury. The Colts go from a top-five pick to almost being within the Super Bowl. And this next year, they're looking even more deadly and even more like contenders for the Super Bowl. But they do have a tough schedule. Being one of the best teams in the NFL, that's exactly what you're going to be given. You're going to give be you're going to be given one of the toughest schedules, unless you're the New England Patriots, because you're the New England Patriots. But I haven't said his name yet. This is Andrew Luck, our number 19 rated player. Andrew Luck 
Not our highest rated quarterback, of course, but within this next upcoming season, if he has another one like he did this previous one, he's very well going to be within the top 10. But there's just too many guys that have done well and not been injured these last couple of years that deserve to be over him. And this is why we have him at number 19. All these, all these quarterbacks and guys in my division don't really like seeing them in the top 30, but, I mean, we gotta, we got to put respect on their name. So moving on, we have the top-rated Jaguar, actually, and that's Calais Campbell. This guy is a freak. He's been easily the best free agent signing the Jags have ever made. He's been worth every penny of what they've done. And let's see, he's missed five total games in his entire career, and he's been in the NFL for a long time. I think this is year 12, 13 for him, something like that. Crazy number. So last two years, he has 25 sacks, and he has 140 tackles for a defensive lineman. That is unreal when you look at the stats compared to everyone else. And if you just watch a Jaguars game, he disrupts every play. Like, there's so many times that he's diving at somebody's feet to make a guy stutter and go the opposite way, and then somebody else cleans up the tackle. I think that's why Telvin Smith has so many tackles. I think Telvin Smith is fourth in the league in sacks, or I mean in tackles over the last four years. And I think that Campbell just does so much for this defense. When he is gone, I'm very curious to see what actually happens with this defense because he's the heart and soul of it, for real. He's the They, they call him... The mayor of Saxonville in Duval County. Well, I mean, it makes sense, that, especially after what you explained. I mean, how many double teams? I mean, he takes a double team up every team, every, every play, play, right? Every play. Yeah, I mean, this dude's massive. I mean, he's got that voice of one of those guys where you just like all you have to do is hear his voice, and you're like, "That's in six eight, three hundred pound guy," and everyone's like, "Yep, <laughs> yep, one hundred percent." That's exactly who Clay Campbell is. Our next top guy here, though, Michael Thomas. Could very well break Landry's record for most catches within the first four years of his career. He is most likely, not most likely, excuse me, he is known as Breeze's top go-to guy. There's no really other real threat for the Saints other than Thomas, but within their scheme and within their head coach of Sean Payton and then having Drew Breeze being able to throw the ball anywhere on the field, he makes the catch, he makes the play. And I know I've said numerous times that he is the guy that is successful off of the scheme but i mean i i st- <laughs> i still think he is but man he's still got to make the play and he does and he's the reason we have him here where we do moving into our next guy we're going to go back to back on receivers and i wish we would have put him higher but we just couldn't because we didn't know where to go but that's mr tyreek hill the cheetah the guy we started talking our episode off that decision's been made that's been set we are moving on from that, and we are going to have to accept it whether we like it or not, but that's just what it is. We don't know the situation that took place. We're moving on. But right now, we have him where we do here. As one of our top wide receivers, we do have a couple more left to give you guys within our list. But this guy's a difference maker on special teams, and he definitely is on offense. He started the season off for the Kansas City Chiefs with a punt return against the Chargers. Their first offensive play, or second offensive play, Patrick Mahomes drops back almost throws a no-looker in between a window of a safety and a linebacker to Tyreek Hill running across the middle of the field. He then runs about another 10 yards to the left of the field, then takes it upfield and scores the touchdown for the Chiefs. So the first two touchdowns for the Kansas City Chiefs, their first 12 points for the Kansas City Chiefs was due to Tyreek Hill. That's what he does. 
He deserves to be paid. He's had over 1,100 yards within this last two seasons. He's averaged 15 yards of reception, and both of his longest plays within a season have been over 75. I really don't know any other wide receivers within the last two years who longest plays have been over 75 yards besides Juju Smith-Schuster, and that's just because he's had over 97. But this is where we're at. Next, Treese, go ahead, man. I mean, that's a lot of stats right there you just dropped. But, I mean, that's why that's why he's the top 16 guy, right? So next for us is a back to the defensive side, and we're going with a Seattle Seahawks member, and it's Bobby Wagner, a dude that just got announced last week that he was a 99 overall player. They only had four of them. He's one of them. He is so good and such a key to that defense. Guy's averaging 115 tackles in his eight-year career per year. Like I think it's like two two sacks per per season and an interception. All-around guy. He can do everything, run sideline to sideline. I feel like he was one of the starter ones of how athletic middle linebackers need to be. He really started setting that to like what we're seeing linebackers at now. And let's see, the last three years, 138 tackles, 133 tackles, and 167 tackles. That is crazy numbers right there. And we would be disrespectful if we didn't have him as a top 15 player. Boy, and you just talked to me about dropping stats. But here, we're going to go ahead and hit it here again with another guy because his stats are unbelievable. This is Vaughn Miller for the Denver Broncos. He's had 10 sacks seven of the eight years of his career. He has 98 total sacks so far in his career. Let me say that again. He's played in the NFL for eight years. Seven of those years, he's had over 10 sacks. And he has 98 in his career right now. That's absurd, dude. Unfreaking believable. But within that, there's not much else within. I like there's not. Like I was gonna I was just leading you guys on. There's not. That's unbelievable. And he does his best to get better year in and year out. There's a reason he was a Super Bowl MVP from the defensive side of the ball. There's not very many of those guys. There are not very many Super Bowl defensive MVPs. Von Miller is one of them. For good reason. 10 sacks within seven years of your career, that right there is 70. But to have 98 in eight years, damn, dude, you're doing something right, and the Denver Broncos got a good guy there. And then to have Nick Chubb on the other side, I mean, this is only going to grow. I mean, he might go down in the NFL as the total sacks leader, and I wouldn't be surprised by it because he doesn't seem to be that far off right now. But that's what I have right now for Von Miller. So it's funny that you brought that up because I was just doing the math in my head of can he reach that 200 sack total? Because I think that's a leader. I think is at 200 or 201, somewhere like right around there. So if he's at 98, he basically, if he doubled exactly what he's been doing, and so he would have to play 16 years and he would be and do a little bit better than what he's done. I mean, it's doable. I think I think he could probably end up more realistic is in that like 170 range, 180 range if he plays another 6 or 7 years, which seems realistic. But he has the talent for sure to get to that 200 if if he plays long enough, for sure. Moving on, we have Russell Wilson and this guy has made the made the playoffs every year of his career except for one year. He keeps this offense moving, even without a true elite wide receiver. I know he's had Doug Baldwin, who became a very good wide receiver, but 
he's not an elite athlete and an elite wide receiver. But the schemes that they've put around Russell Wilson and what he did with running the ball, the way he can escape pressure, like changed the NFL there for a bit. When it was them versus the Niners in the NFC for those three years, man, those games were just so much fun. Watching him face that vaunted Niners defense with Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman and everybody else that they had on that defense, Justin Smith, Alden Smith, man. Those were fun games, but he is really transformed into just a great passer as well. Like last year, didn't even have a rushing touchdown, like really turned himself into a pocket passer. And what he's done with his size is incredible. I couldn't agree more. Talking about another guy that's done well with the size, and that's Drew Brees. Man, that dude, he's thrown for over 4,000 yards. Every year that he's been with the Saints, except for one, and I think it was because of injury. When he played for the Chargers, he wasn't that impressed with a quarterback, which makes sense on why they decided to move on from him. This last year, I think, was the one year that he didn't throw for the 4,000 yards, but he had a higher completion percentage, and he threw fewer interceptions this last season than he has in his entire career. The, inter- the amount of interceptions that he threw last season was five. He threw five interceptions. Dude, that's nuts. That is absolutely freaking nuts to only throw five interceptions over 16 games. Do you know how hard that is to do? I can throw five interceptions in one game of Madden. I've done it before. But to do it as a real-life guy in the NFL and then to throw for the highest completion percentage, I believe it was over 70. Dude, like, damn, this guy is so freaking good. And this is why we have him where we do here at number 13. But, God, this guy just does what he can, and he just tears it up, and he's Drew Brees for a reason. That's why the Saints are, you know, have been in the NFC Championship game within the last two years, and hopefully they make it a third year, and hopefully they make it this year to ultimately lose to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But that's for another episode of Talking Football. And I need to stop talking about Drew Brees before I get too excited here. Trace, I'm just giving it to you, my guy. Next up is our top-rated linebacker, and that's Luke Keekley. We talked about him earlier on the All or Nothing, and this guy is crazy good. Like, he's, like, all-time great. He really is, and I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. So Bobby Wagner, right? We talked about him. 99 overall guys, talking about how he's averaging 115 tackles per season. Luke Keekley has 30 tackles more in a full season less. And Luke Keekley missed almost an entire season because of concussions. So, and I, uh, not an entire season, but he missed multiple games, actually. I was just about to say. But, dude, 100, he started out his career 164 tackles, 156 tackles, 153 tackles. And then the last two years, he's been above 125. He had two years where it was 118 and 102, and those were the ones with concussions. But that's crazy. Has more interceptions than Bobby Wagner. Uh, he has two less sacks, but he's just not a he's not a pass rusher like how they try to use Bobby Wagner from time to time. But he's om- almost at a thousand tackles in seven seasons. And if it wasn't for injury, easily would have been there. He's on pace to just become, in my opinion, top five linebacker of all time. I, I can't disagree with you there. You nailed it, dude. Great question job. for you. Sorry, yep. I have a question for you. So he wears that necklace thing 
and it's supposed to be for concussions. Do you know what that is? No, I had I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh well, look it up. I'm gonna look it up after this. I just didn't know, and I I, I remember hearing about it one time, and th- it made sense to me when I heard it. But now I've totally forgot why he wears it, and well, it's for concussions, but I don't know exactly what it what the purpose of it is. But anyways, dude is unreal. Freaking love that guy, and easily the best linebacker in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, so it looks like it's a concussion collar that he started wearing in like 2017. Right, but what what is a concussion collar? Is what I'm asking. I knew it was for concussions. Yeah. Um. So, if my computer will stop fucking up on me here, it looks like it's a thin collar that wraps around the neck and applies pressure on the jugular vein to increase blood volume in the skull to create an airbag effect, says Dr. Smith. This is from an article written by David Newton of ESPN. It's like watching your baby walking for the first time, Smith told ESPN. He's been called the bird brain doctor because of the woodpecker, mainly just because a woodpecker can continue to, you know, beat their fucking head into a damn tree <laughs> and stay living. So a lot of studies have been done on woodpeckers. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to take more of a deeper dive into that and discuss it next episode because that's really interesting, and I honestly didn't notice it. But now that, you know, you kind of see pictures of of him, I do see the – I do see it on his neck. But that is really interesting to see that it just kind of creates more of a blood flow to that vein in the jug, the jugular area to put more of an airbag-type system within the brain. All right, let's move on. Crazy. To our number 11 guy here, Todd Gurley. 20 touchdowns, 2,000 yards without missing a game. He did that two years ago. Last year, he had 1850 with missing two games. A couple years ago, if he doesn't sit out that last game of the year, which is the only game that he missed, he would have led the league in rushing, but Kareem Hunt took that from him. Um, rightfully so, if you want to win a title, you got to play every game. But this has kind of been the knock on Gurley. We, he, has, you know, he seems to die out towards the end of the year, or within a certain point, he kind of goes away. If you're a fantasy football player, you completely understand that. I know it best. Fuck Todd Gurley. Just kidding. He's ranked our top 11 guy for a reason. He's one of the most versatile backs in the NFL. He's a do-it-all guy. He's the reason for the Rams' success. He's, a, you know, like I said, a very versatile threat. He does what the Rams need him. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, run it between the tackles, run it right up the center's ass. Todd Gurley can do it all. And moving forward for the Rams, they need this guy to stay healthy, or there could be severe issues for them moving forward. But Todd Gurley at number 11 is what we have here for Talking Football. All right, we're in our top 10, everybody. We got number 10, and we got Aaron Rodgers. Less than 10 interceptions nine times in his career, thrown over 4,000 for over 4,000 yards seven times, and never been below 60% completion percentage. You just watch this guy play, and you just get amazed sometimes. One stat that we don't have listed here you know, I mentioned Drew Brees throwing only five interceptions last year, Aaron Rodgers threw two. Yeah, two. Off. When he's playing with a broken tibia and a sprained MCL. And he throws two. Oh, man. He is so good. And so I I don't listen to him very often, but 
I listened to him on Friday, and that's Colin Cowherd. And he was going off on Aaron Rodgers, just like how he does anybody else. I mean, I don't hate Colin Cowherd like a lot of people. I, I actually think that he brings up valid stats a lot of the times. But this one, like, he was like, all he does is throw the ball away. And the reason, because he last year he led the league by a huge margin on throwaways. And he's like, yeah, and it's he was doing that just in spite of his offensive coordinator. And he was just like, when he disagreed with a play call, he would just immediately roll out and just throw it away to prove a point. I was just like, no, he's not. He's not just doing that. That's not why he throws the ball away. It's not like, oh, McCarthy, you're a dumb shit. This is a stupid play. I'll show you. Hike, I mean, roll even- out, throw ball away. I mean, even if it is, that's a smart thing to do instead of being like, hey, stupid play call, let me throw an interception. No, it's going to be, hey, I'm just going to waste a fucking play for this next one. I can make something happen and pull it out of my ass like I had to do the last three third downs we've had on this drive because you can't call a fucking play. I mean, I would much rather have my quarterback go, hey, you're an idiot, throw it away, and go, hey, you're an idiot, throw an interception and lose possession of the ball. I would yeah. much rather him do that. That's not a knock on Aaron Rodgers. That just kind of adds to his IQ of the game. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I just hated that. Like, I'm like, it's not a bad thing to throw the ball away. Like, you're acting like it's this bad thing. No, you're living. You're playing to live for another down. Unbelievable. <laughs> it, it's actually a little unbelievable to me that we have him at 10 and not actually in single digits. It, that's crazy to me. That's been the hard part of this. I mean, who are we putting him over here? Because next on our list, we have Julio Jones. One of the best receivers in the game. I mean, we... I'm not going to give away who we have over him, but I'm sure some people can assume who we do. But there's not very many other guys left. But since 2014, he's had over 1,400 yards a season, 31 touchdowns, and he's never had below 13, 13 yards per reception in a, within a season. His career average is about 15 yards a catch. Dude, that's ridiculous. Yeah, his touchdowns might not be there, you know, as high. But since 2014, you have 31 of them. And then you have over 1,400 yards a season. Dude, that's pretty damn good. Especially being the receiver for the team in the NFC South. Dude, that's a hard thing to complete. I mean, you're playing tough teams, game in and game out. Julio Jones deserves to be in the top 10, and I don't know how we place anyone else above him, but damn, we we picked at least eight more, but here we are with Julio Jones at number nine. All right, moving on to number eight, we have the youngest person on this list, a rookie from last year, and that is Saquon Barkley. Crazy that you'd have a running back in his second year, going into the second year, already as a top eight player, 2,000 all-purpose yards, 90-plus catches. I mean, his stats are very similar to Christian McCaffrey's, who we had at 20. But the thing is, is Christian McCaffrey's offense has other weapons, and it has a defense that helps them slow slow the game down. Saquon Barkley has nobody. OBJ was hurt last year. Eli sucks. Sterling Shepard isn't that good. What's their tight end's name? Ingram. Evan Ingram, yeah. Yeah, he's all right. I mean, their offensive line, they overpaid Soldier. I mean, Will Hernandez is awesome, but really, and then let's not even get to their defense. Their defense 
can't stop anybody. So And they lost everybody. They lost everybody. So you know the ball was going through Saquon Barkley. Everyone knows that, and yet he still put up 2,000 yards. You have to be special to do that. Couldn't agree with you more. Moving on to our lucky number seven. My lucky number. Number seven. A receiver that is changing teams this offseason because he decided to dye his mustache blonde, which then led to a bet of Treese and I for the AFC West on who's going to win. Yes, I have not forgotten it. I hope you haven't either there, Treese. But this is Mr. Antonio Brown. And I just saw that he re-dyed his mustache blonde. Maybe because he got paid and he's getting kind of bored. But it is what it is. Seven out of the last nine seasons, he's had over 1,000 yards. For the five seasons, for the last five seasons, he's had over 12 touchdowns. I mean, four times 12, what is that? Go ahead, quick math. Boom, you found your answer. There it is. That's quite a bit. And a lot of those come in big moments with big catches within double team defenses, knowing the ball is going to Antonio Brown, but he still makes the play. He still breaks the tackle, and he still gets the ball into the end zone. And that's exactly why we have him here at one of our top receivers and exactly why he's in our top 10 at number seven. Did you watch that video of him doing the brick catch? I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend how quickly he was doing that. Like it would, I thought the video was just like relapping him doing like maybe once or twice. And I was just realizing he did it for like 30 seconds straight. I, I don't even know if I can clap behind my back and drop a basketball in front of me and catch it in time. And this dude's doing it with like a two pound brick behind his back. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, moving on to number six, our top-rated running back, and it's the guy that won our running back bracket, and that's Zeke Elliott. I mean, he's led the NFL two out of the last three years in rushing yards, 77 catches in what his that which was his weakness of his game. I mean, the only thing you have to worry about this dude is can he just be okay with not getting in trouble off the field? Other than that, you're good. <laughs> you really like that, didn't you? <laughs> the only thing you have to worry about is just not being a fucking idiot off the field. <laughs> like that's pretty much just sums it up. Yeah. But that's Zeke Elliott for you here at number six. Number five. Here we are. Our top five players for the Talking Football podcast. So I'm gonna go ahead and do here at number ten, Aaron Rodgers, number nine, Julio Jones, number eight, Saquon Barkley, or lucky number seven, Antonio Brown, number six, Zeke Elliott. Number five, our top-rated wide receiver. He won our wide receiver bracket barely thanks to a fucking coin toss for Mr. Justin James Treese here. But it's DeAndre Hopkins. He's had over 1,000 yards every single season of his career but two, and those were both over 800 yards. I think one was like 854 in the ninth. The other one was 938. But he's been a pro bowler, first-team all-pro the last two seasons. This guy was ranked 99 in Madden. Some people don't understand why. Well, it's because the guy doesn't drop the ball, and he makes every fucking catch you need him to. I just said the same thing twice. Doesn't drop, makes every catch, right? Same thing. That's what he does. He got, he's going to run the right route, and he's going to catch the ball, especially when teams know the ball is going to DeAndre Hopkins. This dude finds a way to get open. Whoop, spin move. Whoop, no spin move. Bam. Then he's tackled from behind. But he does what the team needs, and this is exactly why we have him here at number five because DeAndre Hopkins – it is a nuke, and he's going to blow up your defense. You good? Mic drop. Awesome. Top-rated wide receiver right there. 
All right, moving on. We have our top true edge rusher, and that's Khalil Mack. Six forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, and 12-plus sacks last year. While always being double-teamed. And let's not forget, dude showed up a week before week one, maybe a week and a half. Wasn't in any sort of training camp. It's not like he. It's not even like he was in training camp for the Raiders and then came over. He was holding out. Dude was out of shape, and still put up these type of numbers. We've talked about his Week One performance, which was unbelievable. This year, I think this is the year that somebody dethrones Aaron Donald for Defensive Player of the Year. As good as Aaron Donald is, I think somebody will finally do it. And I mean, the easy money is putting it on Khalil Mack. Absolutely. I mean, that would be kind of a fun bet to do for you with your new role that you, you know, you've assigned yourself here on betting. He might be the best defensive player next year. And that's a good, there's a good possibility is Khalil Mack. Let's go number three player here, the GOAT, Mr. Tom Brady. Been in the last three Super Bowls. He's still winning Super Bowls, leading his team to a top seed within the AFC and within his division. I mean, this guy does what his team needs. He is the reason the Patriots have lasted this long and been consistent. He makes the right play. He makes the right throw. Yes, there's an interception from here or there, but guess what? He's going to make up for it the next drive because it's Tom Brady. I used to hate this guy with my stinking guts, and now I respect him so much I can't even hate him anymore. I mean, he's a, he's a dude. He's a guy's dude. I mean, he just does it all. He's a guy's guy. I mean, it, I don't understand how you can hate Tom Brady other than the fact that he always beats your team in the playoffs. And trust me, I've fucking seen it with a lot within the last five years and within the season, unless it's the first game of the year, it's within Tom Brady. I mean, I don't understand how you can hate him. You, I mean, you really can't. You really can't. Did you watch the video today of him on vacation jumping off the waterfall with his daughter? <laughs> she gets yeah. scared, but he just, like, yanks her arm. <laughs> <off the top. laughs> well, it was, like, too late. Like, she's either going to stumble and hit the other rocks, or he's like, you're coming with me. You're going to dive or not. I mean, I'm holding your hand. Yeah, totally. I mean, everybody would have done the same exact thing, but it's yeah. just a funny video for sure. I think I'm going to go back to back here because our number two ranked player – it's my guy. It's our guy. It's the world's guy. It's the NFL's guy. It's the Kansas City Chiefs guy. It's Chiefs Kingdom's guy. Patrick Mahomes. Baby, let's freaking go. Started one year as a quarterback in the NFL. Record-breaking season. 50 touchdowns. 5,000 yards. Only two other quarterbacks have done it, and that is Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's retired. Tom Brady's somehow still in the fucking league. But Patrick Mahomes does it his first year as a quarterback in the NFL. Everyone goes, oh, defensive coordinators now have film on Patrick Mahomes. I'm looking at it the other way. Patrick Mahomes has film on you, and you're screwed because he left way too many touchdowns on the field last year, too many deep ball openings. He let too many passes. You know, he didn't have as many dump-offs as what he should have had. Everyone kept calling Alex Smith Charlie Checkdown, but guess what? Sometimes it's not a bad idea to be Charlie Checkdown, and Patrick Mahomes is going to learn that. Andy Reid has a stack of index cards that are called Pat Plays. We've heard Veach say it. And Veach we trust. And Andy Reid we trust. And Baby and Patrick Mahomes we trust. Let's fucking go. Which leaves us with our number one guy. Everybody at this point probably knows who it is, right? It's Aaron Donald, the two-time defending champ for Defensive Player of the Year. Who is it? Aaron Donald. Do you know this guy? I think I've heard of him You know, oh, okay. a couple times. Cool. A couple times? undersized at defensive tackle, right? But he still dominates everyone. 
And in my opinion, he's the most athletic player in the NFL. With what he does, his size, his speed, strength, quickness, everything. I think he's the most athletic. And he he puts on a show week in and week out. And it is so much fun to watch him play. He truly cares, which is a nice thing to see. And the question is, can he, can he three-peat, right? Can he do it? And can he lead this team back to the Super Bowl? He, it's going to be on him to put that defense on his back. So we'll see what it goes, where it goes, I should say. But Aaron Donald, talking football's number one player in our top 100. Let's go, baby. That wraps it up. So within our top 10, Aaron Rodgers, number nine, Julio Jones, number eight, Saquon Barkley, number seven, Antonio Brown, number six, our top-rated running back, Ezekiel Elliott, number five, our top-rated wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, number four, Khalil Mack, number three, Tom Brady, number two, our top-rated quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and number one, our highest-ranked player, defensive tackle, and defensive player, Aaron Donald. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up our hours of work within our top 100 for talking football. It's been fun. It sucks to see it end because how as exciting as we were. We put this idea into reality about two weeks ago when Treese goes, hey, let's go ahead and do our own here. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a good idea. Me going along with anything everyone ever, anyone ever asks me to do. I'm like, hell yeah, dude, let's fucking do it. But I'm proud of it, man. I think we did a heck of a job. This was definitely a lot harder than I thought. We put several hours into this. We said it last time. It's only going to take someone 30 seconds to completely, you know, just shit on our list here. But like you said, go do it yourself then. Go put this list and tell me why someone goes above someone else. Yeah, And then and, take it from there. Yep, and show us. Let's see it. Exactly. But, yeah, this episode is very long, so we're not going to go over it. But we did have a list of guys that like, just missed the cut. But maybe we'll talk about that next episode which is going to be the day after training camp starts for everybody. So we're going to have a little bit of actual football news. We'll have a little fun segment. But then a week from now, we're going to be like in the heart of it. Like we're going to have actual practices going on. There won't be a lot of practices that have happened when we join. But, dude, we're, what, 10 days away from a freaking preseason game? Fuck. It's awesome. Oh, dude. Let's freaking so excited. go. So excited. All right, but that does it for everybody. Again, long episode, but we appreciate you guys sticking in, listening to it, supporting us, and tonight we've been talking football.